Stay tuned for Wine Crush, Northwest Wine Stories Uncorked. Welcome to Wine Crush, where winemakers tell the stories behind the vine. Thanks for joining us here on Portland Radio Project. Today, host Heidi Moore will guide us through two diverse wine stories. The first centers on two interconnected wineries and their processes, and the second shows the culmination of a collaborative effort between the wineries mentioned in the first story. We are talking with Melissa Burr and Kate Payne-Brown from Stoller Family Estate, as well as Katie Santora from Shehalem Winery. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks for yeah. having us. Yeah, yeah we've got a seriously full house today. We've got three on the mic plus me, and we've got all kinds of wine to talk about. So we're going to actually kind of start with where your guys' stories started from and what you're doing within the wineries, and then we're going to talk about the project that really kind of brought us here to begin with. So Melissa, you're up first. Okay, great. So I have been at Stoller Family Estate since 2003. I was hired then as the winemaker for the project. It was quite a lot smaller than it is today. The owner, Bill Stoller, he planted about 100 acres by the time I had started at the estate property. And his vision then was to make a very small amount of wine from this large site and sell the rest of the fruit to other producers. And over the years, it's grown tremendously to the project that it is today. So I've been in it for the long haul and, see, and seen a lot of chapters. No kidding. So where did you start though? Because my guess is you, as a little girl, you didn't say, hey, I'm going to make some wine one day. No, I, that's something that I think most people in the industry are refugees from something because it's such a young industry for the most part. I mean, it's only 52, almost 53 years of grape growing in the Willamette Valley. So most people are coming from all sorts of other things. I personally, I grew up here in Oregon, was going to go into medicine. So after doing quite a few things after high school, I decided I'm going to study to be a naturopathic doctor. And while I was studying, I lived next to Zupans on McAdam, and they did a lot of wine tastings. And that really got me through the super boring memorization of molecules, organic chemistry. I started drinking wine, really got into it. And then the confluence of different things, I thought, instead of going to graduate school in one of the most saturated um, states in the United States for naturopathic doctors, because the college, it's great here. Maybe I'll take a little pause and be an intern at a winery because the industry has been growing. And I did that in 2001 at Cooper Mountain Vineyards. And I was there and four days before harvest started, the winemaker quit. And so I was able to do a lot more than I should have been able to get my hands on. And just that's really where I got my start, hands on. It's kind of funny. It seems like it's kind of a revolving story, and we're hearing it a lot, that people kind of get thrown to the fire. They, like, start doing something with the winery. Maybe they're just tasting, and maybe they come in as a tasting room person, and all of a sudden, something happens, and now you're the you're the person. Yeah. A lot of opportunity, for sure. So you went from your first stop, and now you're back at Stoller, or you ended up in Stoller. So was there a road in between? Did you maybe think about going back to your medical... Uh, no, by the time, so 01, that first vintage at Cooper Mountain, I loved it. I thought it was really inspiring and dynamic, this whole wine making industry. And I decided then to take some courses to kind of supplement my pre-med science background. And I took classes at Oregon State University for fermentation science and then went to Chemeketa Community College and took their enology, not the whole degree, but took a lot of their courses there while I was 
working at Cooper Mountain. I started as an intern at Cooper Mountain. And then a year later, I got hired as assistant winemaker there. And then 03 is when I got introduced to the Stoller family and interviewed for the winemaking position. And by quite a bit of a stretch, actually, I got the job. I was surprised to myself. But yeah, that's why I started in 03 with the Stollers. And again, then the vision was to be a much smaller brand. It was Bill Stoller's idea was 4,000 cases of production max over a lifetime. He wanted to keep planting the estate vineyard and selling to other producers. But his idea then was very boutique, appointment-only tasting. And now we are making a lot more than 4,000 cases. You are sure. very much not a boutique winery <laughs> anymore. We have a boutique soul, but it's well, a lot we, larger. Yeah, you know, that goes a long way for sure. Because, yeah. I mean, you do feel that when you go there. But, you know, between, you know, the news channels and seeing Stoller Family Estate every morning on the news and just the beauty that has become Stoller Estate. So what does it look like now? I mean, what what has the new dream become? The new dream is really a collaboration of several brands. We formed the Stoller Wine Group because it's Stoller Family Estate, which was one of the first brands, but also Shehalem Winery is part of the Stoller Wine Group. So Bill Stoller co-owned Shehalem Winery since its inception over 25 years ago. And through Shehalem Winery, he was motivated to plant the Stoller Vineyard. So that was second to being part of this brand. And last year, he purchased all the ownership of Shehalem Winery. So it's owned exclusively by Bill Stoller. And so this wine group formed with, with a few other brands that we're going to get into talking about here in a few minutes. It's pretty exciting. We're going to kind of stop right there and we're going to come back with Kate, who works side by side with you at Stoller, and we'll see what she's been up to. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. We're going to go ahead and continue with the Stoller Family Estate stories because we have Kate here with us, too, who is one of the winemakers as well. So let's start from the beginning with you, Kate. How did you end up in the wine industry? How did you end up with Stoller? You know, kind of get us all the nitty gritty. Oh, goodness. So I uh, got into the wine industry kind of circuitously. I was um, I did my undergrad in biology and chemistry from the University of Oregon. And from there, I was going to be an optometrist. So after graduation, I was working for a clinic in Portland, Oregon, and um, on the side, moon landing as an intern slash do-it-all person for an urban winery here in Portland. From there, I kind of caught the bug. I fell in love with the idea of like getting my hands dirty and doing things um, with, you know, science, but also with a sense of um, creativity. And so I continued um, working in the clinic, but then working in the winery. And I decided to leave the optometry field altogether and pursue a master's in enology. So that led me to moving to Australia, where I completed a master's in enology down there. Um, at that point, um, Basically, my husband was saying, he was my boyfriend at the time, said, hey, um, I don't want to move to California, which was another school that I was looking at, so I'll follow you to Australia. And he got into the wine industry as well. And in 2007, we moved back here to work Harvest, uh, two different wineries. And we were planning on just being here for Harvest and then moving back to Australia. And after Harvest in 2007, we both got jobs um, at those particular wineries. So I worked for Archery Summit at the time, and he worked for Domaine Serene. And we both stayed there for quite uh, those particular wineries for quite a while. 
um, until uh, around 2013. I I had always known Melissa. We were we used to hang out, still do, but. Yep. She was saying, you know, we could use some help at Stoller. So 2013, I had left Archery Summit and was working for a French consultant who comes over from Burgundy um, twice a year and kind of managing his affairs and his clients here. And, you know, it wasn't really the opportunity I was looking for. So Melissa said, hey, why don't you come over? We've got some, we're growing as a company and we're looking somebody to help manage the reserve program at Stoller. So I came on part-time um, in 2014 and stayed on in 2015 full-time. So fast forward uh, four years later, it doesn't feel like it's four years later, right? It feels like it was yesterday. I've been there really managing the original facility, doing um, all of the smaller blends. So we said we've grown as a company, but really we get a chance to do those boutique wines at the reserve winery. So it's anywhere from 25 case blends to I think the most that we do in the reserve winery is about 9,000 case blends. That's pretty exciting. And especially for as big as Stoller is, I did not know that. So now I know what to ask for when I come back in the tasting room or, yeah, you know, find my allies around the corner that there's some secret wine hiding out. There is some secret wine hiding out. You know, you have to know the secret handshake, but I'm sure we can make it happen for you. <clears throat> we may have to have a lesson before you girls all leave today, so I know what the handshake is, and sure. I'll have all your phone numbers by the time you leave. Yeah, so that's good. If one of you tells me no, I'll move on to the next. It's yes. pretty exciting, though. We get a chance to um, make these club exclusive wines that are only offered to our club members that really are just blends that speak to us, that sing during harvest. So we get a chance to say, hey, we have this one barrel blend or this Amphora blend that's really interesting. And we lobby to create a, a wine simply for the club for that. So um, I like at Stoller, we get a chance to do all sides of the coin. I think that's great. And that is a great place for us to pause. And we'll come back and talk to Katie in just a few minutes. You're listening to Wine Crush, one of our locally produced podcasts at Portland Radio Project. Get in touch, discover, listen at prp.fm. Okay, we're back to Wine Crush with Katie Santora from Shehalem Winery. You're number three so of this group. Thanks so for having me. I am so glad you guys are here. Really glad that you made it as well. Loving the name tags because we did have to <laughs> name tag you all or the Kate and the Katies. So I kept you straight. But you're uh, you're last on the list. I want to hear your story. It Let's Great. Cap, cap us off. Yeah, it's interesting. Everyone always has kind of an interesting story into the wine industry. And yeah, I think mine's pretty crazy. But what Kate also didn't mention is we're both from Salt Lake City, Utah, without knowing each other. And so growing up in Utah, there's not a ton of wine there or a wine region at all. There's like three wineries, I think, in Moab. <laughs> Which but, is quite a ways from Salt Lake City. Yeah, it's about five hours away. Yeah. Um, and basically, I was finishing high school and wanted to get out of the city and out of Utah and see what else was out there. And I was jumping from college to college in my undergrad, trying to figure out what I wanted to study and knew that I was good at science and math and was home for a summer, kind of like you were mentioning about your son living at home. I'd go home for the summer and my dad's friend is in the kitchen giving me like the third degree saying, 
what are you studying? What are you doing with your life? And I was just like, ugh, you know, my dad's friend, leave me alone. And he was like, I know what you should study. You should go study wine at UC Davis. Um, I went there for my nursing degree and they have a great program and I was just blew it off. Like nobody does that in their life and that doesn't exist. And actually looked into it because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And lo and behold, it was extremely science-based, extremely math-based. And I was like, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll at least have all these prerequisites to then go into something else with my master's. Um, so applied to the school, didn't get in my first round and um, focused a little more and got in again and then went there and kind of the rest is history. Got to travel the world and really see what winemaking is like on the day-to-day aspect, which is so different from the academic part, um, and just kind of loved it and loved being a part of the land and the art with it, but also having the option to get really nerdy and scientific with it as well. It's such an interesting thing to me that all of you started with science and you all ended up in wine. And between engineers and the medical field, that's who we talk to a lot of times. And so I understand the correlation, but it just is so, so interesting to me. Well, it makes for really interesting and dynamic conversations. Um, I think in Oregon, especially, it's such a collaborative group, which I've really appreciated being at Shehalem and coming a part of this Stoller Wine Group and getting to work with Kate and Melissa and Ben, who's not here. We have such a collaboration, but also come from such different sides that the discussions that we have on wine are really artistic, but really scientific. And within our own little world, when you step outside of that and the Oregon industry in general, that goes even farther, which can make great conversations, really heated conversations, really, oh, things that people say that are way over my head that I'm just like, where are you going with this? And then also great opportunities to kind of dive a bit more into what winemaking in Oregon is all about. Yeah, I've accidentally stepped into a couple of those geeky conversations (laughs) and I have like a science mind as well. And I'm like, whoa, this is way over my head and I've had to back out and just go the other way because it just, it was overwhelming. Absolutely. So I can only imagine when all of you guys get together and it gets really deep and weird, how deep and weird it really is. Absolutely. And that's, on now that I'm nerdy like that, I love it, but I also love remembering my Utah roots and being able to keep it simple and interesting and at the right level for everyone else. Which is a great place for us to take a pause because we're going to come back with the three of you and talk about the cool new project that you guys are doing, plus Ben. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. Welcome back to Wine Crush, the podcast for wine lovers. As stated before, we have all three of our guests here to talk about their special collaboration, Chemistry Wines. So I'm going to let you guys kind of take the floor for the next, you know, few minutes and tell us what Chemistry Wine is and why and why. Well, Chemistry Wine is a true collaboration. So we had the opportunity to come together with several wineries last year. So Shehalem and Stoller 
are sister wineries and now exclusively owned by Bill Stoller. And so with this new uh, kind of shift with ownership, we had opportunities. We've expanded our facility at Stoller Family Estate. We have a lot more fermentation space and a newer part of our winery. That happened. This coming together with two brands happened. And then there's a lot of beautiful fruit in the Willamette Valley that we had the opportunity to work with. So this all kind of came to a confluence with chemistry wine, where we thought we have opportunity here and space. We've got these two dynamic winemaking teams. Let's create a wine brand that is basically, I think about it as accessible luxury, I mean, accessibility to the Willamette Valley. Let's get some of this beautiful fruit. Let's make wines together. So that's how it all kind of started. And the vision for chemistry, meaning accessible luxury, it's a pretty friendly price point. And the wine is created to be something that's a retail wine. I think New Seasons is comes to top of mind right now. They jumped on board with chemistry and they they have it on their shelves right now. But it's been inspiring because we've been able to do all those things, work with new vineyards, work together as winemaking teams and make wines that we're proud of. And they're all from the Willamette Valley. From a winemaking perspective, really, we get a chance to work with fruit from outside our estate. So um, we get a chance to see what else is out there? Because uh, for Solar and for Shehalem, we are so focused on our vineyards that we farm. So from a winemaking and a winemaker's perspective, it's so dreamy. It's like, what else is out there? What and spices are there from absolutely. the outside world? And it's also helps with our winemaking team. Um, coming from Shehalem and then getting thrown into a bigger picture that is on site and Shehalem's a bit siloed off site. It's been a great way for, I think, all of us to learn how to talk and discuss and know that we're all a part of this bigger picture together. And so, yeah, it just kind of, as the name says, it's like chemistry and like the vineyards, the vin- winemaking team, um, even the vineyard team mm-hmm. together. Yeah, we all have to come together to uh, really our vineyard team goes out and sources the fruit and then the wine is made collaboratively. And then when we come to blend, we all come together. And as you can imagine, having four winemakers in a room together, there's a lot of opinions. <laughs> I can only imagine there's a lot of creativity as well. So where does the creativity start, stop, and how is that kind of dealt with? Oh, wow. I think, I mean, I would say part of it comes from Jason Tosh outsourcing a lot of the fruit in the vineyards. He knows the Willamette Valley so well that he kind of knows where to source really quality, well-taken-care-of fruit for these wines. And for me, it really starts there. And then I know Ben and Melissa have a lot more say on the day-to-day winemaking of what happens with that. And then I feel like maybe me and Kate get to come in at the end and just kind of help tweak and like be a part of like the fun blending stuff. Um, Definitely think that's where the creativity can be imparted. Uh, I think there's some latitude with winemaking, definitely. Um, but at the end of the day, when we're having bits and pieces from all, all over the Willamette Valley come together and we can have a chance to say, no, I think this wine speaks to having a little bit of this element and a little bit more of this wine. And I think um, that's our chance to, you know, put our thumbprint on it and be creative. I love that answer. As a great answer. And we're going to talk about the wine that has engulfed all this creativity here in just a second. 
Hey, thanks for listening. Why not head over to iTunes and write us a review? We'd love to hear from you, and it helps others find out about our show. For new episodes of Wine Crush and to discover other PRP podcasts, check out the PRP Podcast Co-op at prp.fm. Okay, ladies, it's time for the wine. We have three bottles sitting in front of me. We got a rosé, which we've already, I think, finished the bottle. We've um, <laughs> Not dropped quite, in, but almost. Almost. And we've dropped into the Pinot Gris, and I believe there's a Pinot sitting there. So what is Chemistry Wine doing? Is it just these three, or is there something more? And why are these wines different than what maybe you're doing at Shehalem or Stoller? Other than the creativity of all of you coming together. Um, I'm sure, like I said earlier, Melissa could probably touch a bit more on the blending of the day-to-day and why that is a bit different. I mean, from a Shehalem side of view, it's definitely a snapshot of the Willamette Valley as a whole that I think is really important to showcase. And um, especially at this affordable price point, I think it's such a good gateway kind of wine to get people interested in you know, nerding out a little bit more like at Stoller or Shehalem and what we have to offer. So I'm sure you can expand a bit more on. I think that you touched on it perfect. And this is the same way I see it is that this is an offering from the Willamette Valley more broadly. And again, Shehalem and Stoller have been so focused on these estate vineyards that have this presence and this, this terroir and this, the meaning a flavor profile in our estates. And now we're stepping more broadly and we have the rosé, which is all Pinot Noir, a Pinot Gris, and a Pinot Noir. All three of them are sourced from numerous different sites. So you get this nice broad sweep of the Willamette Valley. And our intention with making these wines is to make them with some transparency. They're not overstyled, any of them, meaning, let's say, the Pinot Noir, for instance, we use a pretty judicious amount of new oak. So really what's speaking is the fruit. During fermentation, we're not looking to draw too much tannin out or have them pick too early so they're light or put a whole bunch of new um, oak on that. We want to show this broad vision of the Willamette Valley in all three of the wines. And so that's what we talk a lot about when we're blending is how are these wines going to be approachable, transparent, and balanced? And that's really the goal for all three of them. Go ahead. From a day-to-day standpoint, we are so focused um, at Stoller and Chehalem about expressing the land in which our grapes are grown, right? So we spend all this time thinking about this is Stoller and this is Shehalem and it becomes an identity. And so to create an identity of the Willamette Valley is pretty uh, remarkable for us, for us to come together and say, this is, you know, Eola Amity, this is McMinnville, this is this. And to have all these personalities come together, I mean, that really speaks to the wine. It's kind of finding the synergistic point in which all of them kind of talk to each other and speak. Well, and I was going to ask you what the vision was kind of starting this, but I think you guys just beautifully answered that as far as, you know, what these wines are. And it is a snapshot and a picture of what the Willamette Valley is and the beauty of what the Willamette Valley is. Because you have the Cascade Foothills and you have McMinnville and the Van Duzers, and they're all different fruit from different terroirs in different areas. And so to be able to do that in a non-pretentious style, which I think is great because there's that's it's intimidating when you have these big brands. This is beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it can be intimidating and expensive to drink wine. So I think this is, I mean, really exciting. You know, my 
family loves wine, but my dad, one time I was like showing him around trying to be all fancy and be like, look how cool my life is and blah, blah. (laughs) And he's like wandering around kind of aimlessly. And I was like, are you bored, dad? And he was like, no, I just haven't had a wine I don't like. And so it's like, that's not that that's for that person, but it, some people just aren't interested in spending $50 on a bottle of Pinot Noir or interested in where the soil comes from or anything mm. like that. So I think this is a great way to just show Oregon makes amazing wines and it doesn't have to cost $50. Yeah. And it's, it's approachable. It's your every night, every day <laughs> drinking type of wine. And it was specifically designed to be that way. So we wanted something that we would want to drink as winemakers, but we wanted to be, have it to be approachable for the general consumer as well. Yeah. And I think that's huge. I mean, especially if the winemakers are wanting to drink this and this is, you know, the snapshot of it, that says a ton about the wine. And we're going to kind of touch on a few more pieces in here in just a second. And you guys got a lot of cool stuff going on. So we're going to talk about that too. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. Okay. Well, I have a few more minutes with everybody here, and I want to kind of touch back on the foundation and the vision of what chemistry wine is and the fact that this is a day drinking piece for everybody. It's a wine that everybody can drink. I know as I, being a non-drinker of wine, um, three years ago, I was all beer. This is very enticing for somebody like me who was afraid of wine three years ago because it's cheaper for me to go buy a case of beer um, than it was to buy a bottle of wine in my mind. Um, but now that I'm drinking one, I understand the beauty and the expression and the just the overall loveliness of what wine offers. It's not just a drink. It's an expression and a lifestyle. So I want you guys to kind of touch back on that a little bit and how you see it. I think Kate mentioned it perfectly during the break of how you were talking about. I already about- forgot what I said. <laughs> <laughs> the day-to-day picking up your kids. I, oh, yeah. It's it's the celebration of everyday successes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you, you get home and you want to open something that, uh, you know, is approachable. You want to enjoy it, but you don't want to geek out over it. I think, again, we wanted to make wine that's a winemaker's. Uh, approachable wine, but at the same time, we wanted something that was like, oh, this is lovely on a Wednesday afternoon at five o'clock and my kids are otherwise occupied outside. So I think I'm going to open a bottle of wine. Um, but it's, you know, we just wanted something that really basically spoke to the Lemon Valley and spoke to us as winemakers and spoke to our collaboration. So, and wine really is a lifestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it can be just a little side drink or something that you enjoy once in a while, but it truly is a lifestyle, whether you cook with it, you celebrate with it, you cry with it, whatever the case is. And that has really been the beauty and the thing that I've learned in the way I really appreciate what you guys are doing with this line. Yeah, I agree. I think um, wine, I mean, once you go down the rabbit hole, right, you can get as geeky as you want with it. But at the end of the day, we all got into this industry, one, because we have adventurous spirits, but also because we wanted to build something through our hands and create something that we wanted to consume. And that's what brings us to the present. 
which I think is a beautiful way to kind of end that, you know, thought. But you guys have some amazing things going on that you're involved with, both at the wineries and outside. So let's touch base on that. Tell people where they can find you, um, both Chemistry Wines, Stoller, and Shehalem. Melissa had mentioned um, New Seasons has just picked up chemistry and has a pretty big display at the Tigard um, location for chemistry. And yeah, Shehalem has been around for many years. So Shehalem's retail is all over nationally and um, locally, but also at the tasting room in Newburgh. Yeah, it's yeah. Stiller Family Estate, similar to Shehalem, is across the U.S. in distribution in most states. And then we have a tasting room that's open seven days a week in Dayton. So it's open 11 to 5 every day. It was rated the number one tasting room <laughs> in America. <laughs> it is beautiful out there. <laughs> it is, it is very iconic it with the grain building or whatever mm-hmm. it is that is out there that has Stoller Family Wine painted on it, I think. Yeah. And the tire swing. It's iconic. Very iconic. Get your photo on Instagram by the tire swing. <laughs> I can only imagine the hashtag numbers that go yes. with that tire swing. Oh, yes. I wonder if we could calculate per weekend how many people sit on a tire swing. And get married, get proposed there. Yeah. You know, all sorts of things happen at Stiller Family. So State. hint, hint to anybody who's looking to propose, <laughs> that is a good spot. You just have to swat away all the children first. <laughs> yes. I know that you have a couple events coming up that are outside of Stoller as well. What were those that we are talking about again? One thing that both of us are involved in, Stoller and Shehalem, is the Salute Auction, which um, helps basically fund um, this program for the wine industry that helps give medical care and services to anyone that needs it in the wine industry. So it's pretty spectacular and an amazing thing to support. But coming up in July, July 16th through the 18th, there's a e-bidding. That's, I don't know, it might be the first e-auction. It might, the second one ever where you can pre-bid on lots that you're interested in before you taste them in the fall of 2019. Mm -hmm. So So, that's exciting. Yeah. All of the um, proceeds basically go to Salud, which benefits um, healthcare for our vineyard workers. And so it's something that's really dear to us as an industry in a valley. So it's, I think this uh, organization really sets the Willamette Valley apart in that we really not only are we collaborative, but we really want to take care of our own. Agreed. I think it's a great organization and I really appreciate, appreciate you ladies coming and hanging out with us today, telling us the story of chemistry, but also the stories of both of your wineries and your personal backgrounds. And we will see you soon. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the eighth episode of Wine Crush Season 2. Have a great weekend, and we will see you at the bottom of the glass.